me ask you a question. What's below your waterline? A waterline on a sailing vessel is what differentiates that which is above the water, which can be seen by everyone, and that which is below the water, that which is hidden from everyone. When damages occur below the waterline, it can put the whole crew and the passengers in peril. You know, in some ways, personal integrity is, is a lot like that. If we have failures or fissures inside that other people can't see, that go unnoticed, but that continue to destroy our integrity, it can cause tremendous damage to our marriage, to our family, to our personal self, to our church, and even to our community. Pastor Don Erickson has been involved in pastoral ministry for over 45 years in a variety of cultural contexts. He has personal experience when it comes to the challenges and the damage that the lack of integrity can cause in a person and in their ministry. We want to welcome him as he begins this four-part series on a call to biblical integrity. Living a life of integrity is the desire that God has for each and every one of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But we also need to understand that living a life of integrity is something that's absolutely essential for those that are serving in the church, in the body of Christ. As pastors, as church leaders, uh, God's desire is that we would live a life that is honoring and glorifying to Him. And throughout the world, the church is in desperate need of, of men and women who are willing to devote themselves to living a life that is genuine, a life that is honest, a life that is humble before God, a life that is really in all respects uh, following the image of Christ. These four modules that we are going to be working on are going to focus on the whole subject of uh, a life of integrity and what that looks like. And in this first module, uh, I want to take some time to just talk about what, what does integrity look like? In Proverbs uh, chapter 10 and verse 9, we're reminded of these words, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Think about that for a moment. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely. Can you imagine the number of people who give the impression publicly that they've got their lives together spiritually, but they know that in reality, uh, in their private lives, it is anything but what they uh, claim to believe and claim to live. Well, one of the beautiful things about that proverb is a reminder that when we are walking in a life of integrity, we can walk securely, never fearing that somehow maybe people are going to find out the, the reality of our lives and realize that we're, we're not as uh, uh, genuine as we claim to be. In the first video, um, as we talk about this whole subject of um, what integrity looks like. I want us to focus on this one key thought. Integrity, a life of integrity, is a life that is devoted to Christ-likeness. As you read through Scripture, there are a number of different terms that God uses to help us to understand what a life of integrity looks like. One of the first is, uh, is a term that Paul uses in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it's the, it's the idea of being above reproach. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 2, he says, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. What does he mean by that? Well, very simply what it means is that a person who is an elder, 
pastor in the church, uh, someone who is serving the church in a, in a position of leadership, is to have a life that is free from accusation, a life that is, uh, is blameless, not perfect, but one in which uh, people can, can look at them and say, you know, they're really living what they're teaching. What's interesting is that as you continue to look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, Paul then goes on to talk about some of the specific areas in an individual's life where there needs to be that, um, that attitude of integrity and, and that lifestyle of above reproach. He talks about the personal life, uh, the things we say, the things we think, and, and then he talks about uh, family life, our relationship with our spouse, our relationship with our children. He then talks about our ministry life and how we uh, come across and, and how we are living in the context of the church and, and where we are serving. But he then also talks about our public life and how those that are outside of the church, those in the world, how they see us and how they perceive us. If we go back to the Old Testament, we have the prophet Micah also addressing this issue when he talks about the importance of being approved by God. When you come to the, the prophet Micah, Micah is really confronting the children of Israel because of their rebellion, uh, their idolatry, and he reminds them of what God said to them in terms of how they are to live in order that they might be approved by God. And in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, Micah says this, He has told you, referring to God, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. There are three beautiful terms to help us understand what integrity is all about. To do justice, to do what is right. To do what is right as we are dealing with other people, but also to do what is right as we are dealing with ourselves. He then also talks about loving kindness. And that needs to be the desire and, and passion of our hearts is that we would be men and women of compassion because that's what a life of integrity is all about. It's not about worrying about ourselves. It is about uh, compassion for others. And then he talks about humility, about walking humbly with our God. You know, it's real easy to, to get prideful. It's real easy to, to kind of think, hey, look at me and, and how great I am. But a, a person of integrity is one who is, is humble before God, recognizing that if it was not for what God had done in my life, I could not be and would not be the person that God has made me. The third term that, that we see often used to talk about a life of integrity is, is the word blameless. And if you go to Job chapter 1, in the first verse, uh, Job is described this way. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Think about that. This man, Job, first of all, he, God, God says he was blameless. He, he, there was nothing that, that you could bring against Job that was, that was going to in any way uh, criticize him for the life that he was living. But not only was he blameless, but it says that he was upright. In other words, he was choosing to do the right things. That also says that he was one who feared God. And that wasn't a being afraid of God. It was a reverence towards God. It was a, a desire to want to respect and to 
um, embrace uh, what God wanted in his life. And then the last quality that is described is that he was uh, devoted to resisting evil, that when temptation came into Job's life, he could look at that temptation, he could understand what was the right thing to do, and he would resist the temptation in order that he might live an upright life. You know, as we, as we go through Scripture, there are a number of men and women, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, who uh, lived lives of integrity. We think of Joseph. We think of Moses. We think of Daniel. In the New Testament, you think of, of men like Peter and Paul, Barnabas. And then we think of the women in the, in the Scriptures who lived lives of integrity. You have Ruth and, and Esther in the Old Testament, and then you have Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the New Testament. All of these people were men and women who had devoted their lives to serving the Lord and were men and women of integrity. But I want to take you to, back to the Old Testament to a man maybe you wouldn't have thought of, but who, who lived a life of integrity up to the very end of his life, and that was the man Samuel. At a young age, God called Samuel to be the last of the judges that was ruling over and giving leadership to the children of Israel. And as you read through the first few chapters of 1 Samuel, you come to chapter 8, and all of a sudden the children of Israel, who are continuing to live rebellious lives, lives that, where they wanted to conform to all the other nations around them, uh, the children of Israel come to Samuel, and they begin to gripe and complain. And they say, Samuel, you're getting old, you're getting gray, and we really want a king. We're tired of having judges. We want to have a king. All the other nations have a king. Why can't we have a king? But Samuel, because of his life of integrity, did not want to do anything that would in any way violate God's desire for his people. And so in chapter 8, you see Samuel going to, to God and saying, God, what am I supposed to do? And God says to Samuel, Samuel, do what the people ask. Give them a king but then also warn them of what it's going to mean to them if they have a king. So then when we come to 1 Samuel chapter 12, Samuel is getting ready to turn over the leadership reins to the first king of Israel, King Saul. And as Samuel brings the people before him, we have these words recorded for us in 1 Samuel chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. And Samuel said to all of Israel, I have listened to everything you have said to me, and I have set a king over you. Now you have a king as your leader. As for me, I am old and gray, and my sons are here with you. I have been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes? If I have done any of these things, I will make it right. Children of Israel then replied to Samuel this way, You have not cheated or oppressed us, they replied. You have not taken anything from anyone's hand. And Samuel concludes his thoughts with these words. The Lord is witness against you, and also his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. What an incredible testimony 
of a life of integrity well lived by Samuel. The three things that strike me, the first is this, is that as Samuel is coming to the end of his uh, time as, as leader of the children of Israel, that he could look at his life and could say it was well done. But what also impressed me was that Samuel's willingness to be very transparent with the children of Israel and really to say, hold me accountable. If there's anything that I have done that it is any way um, shown myself to not be a man of integrity, then I, I wanna know that, I wanna make that right. And so he is very transparent. And he says, have I been just with you? And they said, absolutely, you have been just. You have not defrauded us in any way. He said, have I have been honest with you? And he said, absolutely, you have been honest with us. You have not taken a bribe in order to ignore or to look away from the things that you've done. He said, have I, have I uh, been compassionate with you? And their response is, absolutely, you have not been abusive in any way. And then he says, have I been gracious? And, and they said, you have been very gracious. You have not taken things from us just for your own benefit. And so Samuel was willing to make himself uh, transparent and to be held accountable if there was anything in his life that, that he needed to uh, confess before them and make right. And what's fabulous is to just hear the people of Israel saying, you have done none of those things. You have been upright and you have been blameless and you have been honest in our sight. What a testimony of a life that is well lived. In this first video, the key thought that I want you to keep in mind is this. A life of integrity is a life that is devoted to Christ-likeness. And as I bring this time to a close, I want to just ask you a couple questions. First is this. Who are the people in your life, the men and women in your life, that you would say were men and women of integrity? And as you think about specific people, as you see their faces, as you think about their names, what is it about their life that would classify them as being a, a man of integrity or a woman of, of integrity? And then the second question I ask that for you to think about is, how have they had an impact on your life? How have those individuals, as, as you had an opportunity to interact with them, how have they impact your life? And then I would, I guess I ask a third question. The third question is this. Are you having an impact on other people's lives? Are you living a life of integrity? And who are the people that you are impacting that they too might live a life of integrity as well? Thank you for taking time to listen to this video.